Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to Round the Cauldron, where we talk theology, philosophy, and everyday life as a modern witch. Today, I had the pleasure of speaking with Firelight, host of the pagan podcast Inciting a Riot, and author of a brand new book, A Dabbler's Guide to Witchcraft. As always, thank you so much to my patrons over on Patreon for making all of this possible, and without further ado, let's hop right into the interview. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back around the cauldron. Um, today, I have a very special guest. I'm speaking with Firelight, um, and we're going to be talking about whatever comes up. He has a new book coming out. Um, I, I just remember what the first part of it is called. There you go. The Dabbler's the, Guide to Witchcraft. The Dabbler's Guide to Witchcraft. And um, I have already read the book. I enjoy Am I being a good YouTuber? Is this YouTube? Am I- <laughs> yeah, I, I really like the cover. I like the color and everything. And I can't wait until Thank I get you. my physical copy here. I can't wait to get a physical copy either. What I have in my hands is the, is the advanced copy, which is that, I don't know if you get a lot of arcs, um, mm-hmm. like physical arcs, but it's that, you know, cheapy paper, like yeah. that mass market, like almost copy paper, paper. And then the covers like- <laughs> The only thing that's done about it is the actual like cover art, but the rest of it is like, I don't know, whatever we could come up with a word doc at the time. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I think it comes out September 28th, but I think my PR team said that I might get physical copies in like two weeks. Ooh, I know I'm very exciting. excited. Yeah. They said it'll be in the warehouse on the 18th, which is next Wednesday. And then I should have it the week after. And I was like, that is neat. <laughs> Yay. That's so exciting. So for anybody that's listening or watching that doesn't know who you are, you want to, it's, it's the favorite question of everybody being interviewed. <laughs> Will you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Firelight. Uh, I host a podcast called Inciting a Riot, which I describe as society and culture from a pagan perspective. Um, it is it is a pagan show in that I am a pagan, um, but the actual podcast itself tends to run the gamut of uh, topics that I just personally find fascinating or I think are important. Like uh, the most recent episode, uh, I talked to Dr. Sam Montano, who is an emergency manager and climate researcher, and we broke down the 4,000 page IPCC uh, intergovernmental panel on climate change report that just came out. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about all sorts of things. So, um, but then like the next episode is about ghost hunting techniques. So it's, uh, it's, it's just, uh, it's an interesting show that I think um, uh, tries to help people think deeply about interesting topics that they either think they already know a lot about or um, just haven't really uh, come across before, haven't really been asked to think, uh, to think about them before. So um, I've been doing that since 2009. <laughs> so I'm 
I'm an oldie uh, on the podcasting circuit. And I guess I get to call myself an author now. So uh, my new book, The Dabbler's Guide to Witchcraft uh, comes out September 28th from Simon and Schuster. It's wherever awesome. books are found. And the audiobook is available too at the same time. You Ooh. should, you should yeah. listen to it. If you like the sound of my voice, you're going to love the audiobook. If you hate the sound of my voice, uh, you should still buy the audiobook. <laughs> I like money. So <laughs> that's a good enough reason. Thank you. <laughs> so um, you've been in the, the podcast and the pagan and the witchcraft online sphere for a while, at least since 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, what made you finally write a book? Is it something you've like wanted to do for a really long time and now the opportunity just came to you or did you seek it out? So there have been, I mean, obviously if you're in this world, if you're in this witchy world for any length of time, you, you know, and once you've read your 50th, hundredth book or whatever, you're like, I could write this. (laughs) I could write one of these. I think I have things to say. Mm -hmm. Um, And over the years, as the podcast sort of grew in popularity, there were opportunities to write and they never really went anywhere, mostly because I, I didn't feel like I had, I mean, people would ask if I wanted to write a book and I was like, well, if I, if I ever wrote something, I don't think that, um, I don't think it would be something (laughs) that you'd want to publish. (laughs) Well, your podcast is called Inciting a Riot for a Reason. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I always said that if I was going to write something, I would want to write uh, what I jokingly refer to as the Un-101 book, which is sort of taking the basics of most 101 style witchy books and kind of break them down and make you think a little differently about them. You know, take your crystals chapter and have you really think deeply and critically about what makes crystal magic magical? Where are we getting these crystals from? You know, a lot of people say that crystals can do a lot of things. Where do those correspondences come from? Why do Mm -hmm. we just accept those? That kind of thing. So, um, uh, you know, that, that had been an idea in the back burner for a long time. There was a point in time, I think, that Velma and I, from our former joint show, I think we were going to write a book together at one point. And that just sort of fizzled because we live in different states and that's kind of hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think, it, I think it just sort of took being in the pandemic, <laughs> <laughs> being alone with my thoughts for a long time and having a little bit more time than I've ever had before to finally say, you know what, um, I think I'll, I think I'll give this a go. So, uh, it, and uh, the opportunity came, uh, Simon and Schuster liked the pitch and they picked it up. So, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess the rest is, is history. It's weird to think that it's finally coming out. Cause I, I keep thinking of it like, uh, seeing commercials for a movie and you see commercials for this movie everywhere. And mm-hmm. you feel like you've seen commercials for this movie for like months <laughs> and you get to the point where you're like, hadn't this movie come out already? Like, I feel like I've seen this movie. Have I yeah. seen this movie already? Um, and then turns out the movie doesn't come out till like next year. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's very much that weird headspace for this book. So it's, it's, I feel like it's already been out in the world and nobody's read it yet. (laughs) Yeah. 
I mean, I, I see it everywhere and I even recommend it already because I really like it. Um, and okay. so you're welcome. You said you're, you were kind of, you take it in as like an un 101 book with basically all of the unpopular stuff is how, how I kind of see it. Like the, the not so fuzzy and pretty sides of witchcraft or paganism, um, which can be hard. (laughs) It's even hard to talk about. Um, did you have any other sort of, I don't know, uh, inspiration behind writing the book? Well, I think you're, I think you're kind of dead on there um, in that I don't know that I wanted to directly take on things that I would consider unpopular, though I suppose you could certainly call it that. Uh, I did want to make sure that the book was filled with things that I needed to exist in this community. So my mm-hmm. background, my educational background is in sociology. So I think of things in terms of people and societies and culture and how we exist as a community. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of things that are staples of community discourse, uh, things like UPG, um, that you don't really, you don't read about that. I, I cannot think of a book in the witchcraft realm that has directly addressed things like UPG head on and called it UPG. I'm sure there are, I'm sure there are, I'm sure I, I will have, I'm sure I've read them and I've forgotten about them, (laughs) but the most that I've ever really remembered finding are things like blog articles and YouTube videos and a lot of social media. I don't know. I don't remember these things being written down. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Discussions of what it means to appropriate versus what it means to appreciate. What does it mean to um, you know, we have a lot of people who say that they value and they integrate science into their uh, practice and they recommend, um, you know, that, oh yeah, you know, natural science is, is, there's no difference between the science and the spiritual. But then a lot of what they talk about publicly is very like, either anti-science or ignores a lot of science or has been refuted by science or something like that. So I, I wanted to address those things directly because there are a lot of people that are discovering witchcraft, paganism, nature-centric spirituality, sort of being a spiritual but not religious person, just sort of all of those intersections of people that end up finding our community. Um, You know, I I say in the book, uh, statistics tell us that the second largest religious group in the United States isn't one of the religious groups that has a name. It's not Christianity or Judaism or, or uh, Hinduism or something like that. It's people that do not define themselves as being religious. They don't have a religion. Uh, it's easy to call that group atheist or agnostic, but actually the largest individual chunk of that group are people who self-identify as spiritual, but not religious. Mm-hmm. They are looking for a spiritual home or looking for, uh, looking to create a spiritual path for themselves. However, one of the biggest reasons why people say that they are leaving their religions or that they are on some kind of spiritual journey is because the the religion that they grew up with, the spiritual traditions in which they uh, were raised, ignore or are antithetical to the kinds of conversations that they're having in their daily lives with their friends uh, as they grow and exist in this world. Uh, things like 
racism and homophobia and transphobia and economic inequality and food scarcity and, uh, you know, all, all of these things that mm-hmm. are sort of constant front of mind topics right now. Um, people say, statistics tell us this, that they want a version of a spiritual life that incorporates all those things. Um, and they also want to be science-minded. They want to be practical. They see themselves as, as logical people. They don't want to feel dumbed down. They don't want to feel like a part of themselves has to be left at the door in order to be a spiritual being. So I wrote this book for them um, because I see myself in that group. I see myself as, as what I call in the book, a dabbler, as somebody mm-hmm. who wants to continue to learn, a spiritual seeker who wants to learn, who's here, who's ready to learn, who wants to do all the things and be a magical person, but not at the expense of my logic, my education, my values, et cetera. Um, yeah. So that's, that's who this book is for, uh, is, and, and, and I wanted it to address some of those things head on because I, I feel like so many people get into this community and then it's five years down the road or 10 years down the road, it, way too late for this to have happened, but you, you look around and you realize, wait, everyone knew this was going on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and why did nobody tell me? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And you, you touched on, I think the whole point of your book's title, the dabbler's guide. And I think at least from my perspective, it can be seen as two different ones, like, or two different meanings, I guess, Mm -hmm. because you said dabbler as in have this spiritual connection without leaving behind logic but also it's written for the people who were probably stuck in the pandemic who were exploring online and like hey this is a thing so for the 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 newer people to witchcraft and paganism as well which brings me to the point that I am so thankful I guess is the right word thankful grateful, excited about some of the things that you included in your book, some of the topics, because in thinking back to like when, when I was first starting out as a young teenager, I don't know what cultural appropriation is. I don't know, you know, don't put most crystals in water, you know, that's, that's not stuff that's talked about. And I feel like this is a good staple, a good place for a lot of people to start. And I think it could even lead into more conversations with other people starting to write about these things because in, in different things that I see and in different places that I am in online, that kind of stuff isn't talked about. It's sort of like, okay, well, you, you know, you're talking about it, but we're just going to avoid the whole subject because it's, it's difficult or it's confusing, or I just don't know enough about it. And you also include resources. Can you tell us about your decision to include the voices of others in your book? Oh, for sure. Um, so a couple points that I wanted to answer there, uh, you mentioned like, um, that you haven't seen a lot of books talk about things like don't put certain crystals in water. And I want to address that because I do talk about that kind of thing directly in the book. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's because so many of our witchy books um, 
compile information, uh, but so many of the books about very specialized subjects that butt up against science or butt up against medicine uh, Mm -hmm. are not written by experts in that field, in that respective field. We don't really have a lot of books about plant magic that are written by like a botanist. We don't really have, or a chemist. Uh, We don't have a lot of books about crystals that are written by a geologist. Mm -hmm. We have books about crystals that are written by witchy people who've read a lot of other witchy crystal books and you know, their knowledge is based a lot in UPG. It's not based a lot in, in um, academic expertise on the matter. So you do get a lot of this bad science that is, or, or pseudoscience that is continued to be perpetuated book after book after book after book, because we are, are only focusing on the witchy part of uh, the, the crystal and not the scientific part of the crystal. I think mm-hmm. the one of the best examples in the book that I give is that uh, sort of viral point last year when we talked about malachite, <laughs> the the great malachite phallus of yes. February 2020, I believe. <laughs> Somebody posted a, a big, you know, malachite stalactite or something. It was a big, you know, looked like a giant green Hulk penis, um, yeah. but it was this big pillar made out of malachite. And it went wild on the internet because the internet's going to do what the internet does. Mm-hmm. Um, and is, well, could you have sex with the Malachite? No. <laughs> could you do that? And the thing is, I mean, we laugh at that and we cringe at that, but how many people have crystal shops with giant crystal penises that they sell? This is not mm-hmm. a joke to some people. Like yeah. we laugh and we cringe, but this is real for some people. You know, people do take crystals and they put them inside of their genitals. Um, and we don't, we only focus on the witchy part. So I bring up that uh, discussion because somebody said, well, could you put the malachite inside of you? Would that be okay? Could you have sex with the malachite? And, uh, you know, one expert said, oh, well, probably just dust it off. Just rinse it off. But the thing is, like, you need, you need intersectional science there. And then you got somebody who's like a food scientist and like a biologist and like all the, you know, this intersectional expert who's like, no, no, no. Malachite has copper in it. And this will strip out all the good stuff that's inside of your vagina. And that's bad for you. You should mm-hmm. not do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, there's a, deep, a deeper dive there, but I bring that up because one, it's a fun example, but two, I bring up a lot of resources and a lot of experts and included a ton of other voices in the book because I am not an expert on all things. (laughs) I have a, I have nearly 20 years of, of being a witchy person. And I, 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 you know, I've got a background in sociology and I've done a lot of things in life, but I am not I am not an expert in a whole bunch of areas. I'm not an anthropologist. Uh, I'm not a, a voodoo priestess. I don't have a, I'm not a person of color, but you know what? Lilith Dorsey is a great voice to discuss those things. And we've mm-hmm. talked, uh, both she and I personally, and she's published a lot. So if I'm gonna, um, you know, bring up a point uh, that she's done better, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cite her instead and say, hey, look what this person said, who's in this in this community, mostly because I want, 
people to start realizing that instead of taking all of their advice from people that look like you or me, right. um, you know, go listen to the community that's trying to tell you what, how, how to appreciate them from afar and maybe how to stop appropriating their stuff. Like go listen to native voices, go mm-hmm. listen to people of color, go listen to, go listen to these people. It's not like they're dead. Right. <laughs> it's not like yeah. they're from some bygone historical era. They are real living human beings that you can go talk to. You can go read their books. You can go buy their stuff. You can watch their YouTube videos. They exist and they are happy to teach you or to tell you, um, Um, so, you know, I, uh, I do reference my own experiences in the book, um, but, but only insofar as I can relate to them, like in this, in that, uh, chapter on appropriation versus appreciation, I talk about, um, the example of what's a gate versus what is a window. Mm -hmm. And I talk about that from the example of the queer community. Uh, so you might have a window into a community and a pride parade is a really good example of that because you can find just about the full spectrum of queerness at a pride event in some form or fashion. But if you are not part of that community, you you can only ever sort of enter it and learn from it. It's, it's not something that you get to take with you. And, mm-hmm. and because when you start inserting yourself into a community that is not yours, um, you, the, the uh, chance of that community experiencing harm at your hands goes up exponentially because you might see things that make you uncomfortable. You might hear things that offend you. You might, you know, uh, you, and, and if things get bad enough, you might feel like you can call the police. You might feel like, you know, you need to insert what makes you feel safe and secure into that situation, which then puts those people in direct harm. Right. Uh, you know, uh, there's an example in the book about, um, I think it was the 2016 Olympics, uh, when, reporters were down I want to say it was in Brazil and they decided you know what let's do a story about closeted gay athletes let's go on all of the gay social media apps and like out them because that's funny isn't it funny how there's like hot closeted gay athletes hooking up at the Olympics you don't get to do that for your funny story because some of those people are from countries in which they will literally get killed if they are outed so it's, it's, you know, it, it, I can talk about it from my experience, but anytime something goes outside of my realm of experience, I simply want to point the reader at an expert. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, like Meg Eelson said uh, earlier this year on my show, you know, the, 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 the best way of, of showcasing expertise in anything is to hand away credit and to hand, you know, to constantly point and say, no, no, that person over there is the expert in that. That person over there is the person you should be listening to. You know, I am not the person. I, I'm simply, you know, putting together this, this information for you to learn. Yeah, uh, please go read deeper and better elsewhere. <laughs> for sure. There was a whole paragraph because I was flipping through the um, ebook this morning just to refresh my memory. And there's, there's a whole paragraph somewhere towards the beginning. I don't remember exactly where, where that's basically you're, you're explaining the difference between a witchy 101 book and what we would see as a 101 book in like an introduction to biology and how everything is written um, or textbooks, for example, are written by multiple people. And I really like that you made sure to put in there towards the end, like, and you're going to see in this book, this is 
my experience, if I'm going, if I'm going to write a book on everything and include everything, it's going to be thousands of pages of long, thousands of pages long. <laughs> and I don't have that kind of attention span. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and I like that. I appreciate that sort of honesty and having listened to your podcast before reading the book was an experience because I can hear you in my head talking. And I wanted to ask you how important was that in your writing to make sure that you keep your voice in the way that you write? So the book does legitimately get into some very heavy territory Mm -hmm. um, at times. I mean, even just in a section like on the crystals uh, chapter, we talk about how there are seven-year-olds in developing nations that probably dug out that pretty piece of shaped rose quartz that you're holding on to. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, there, there is, there, there are some very heavy, heavy weighty topics in here. And this could easily be some kind of sociological textbook. And if you get too serious with it, in my opinion, um, I don't think that the audience that I hope reads this book would read this book. I feel like it would be very easy to get turned off by some of this. And I honestly feel like if you don't keep the tone light enough, um, it can come off as an attack. It can come off as finger pointing and shaming and how dare our community be this way. And that's not what I want. What I want is for people to read this and realize that some of the things in here are, yeah, they're criticisms possibly, but they're gentle criticisms coming from a place of an experienced person who's been in this community for decades, who lovingly and supportively wants this community to be better and wants to arm sort of the next generation of dabblers and practitioners with knowledge that it took some of us a lot of very hard lessons and a lot of long years to learn so -hmm. that they have this upfront and they don't feel cheated or lied to later on. So that's, that's, that's why I, I, you know, there was even a whole chapter on like dad jokes <laughs> that got taken out, not a chapter, but there was like a whole big long section where I was like, okay, so we just spent a long time talking about racism. Now we're going to have some dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I was like, I was doing everything that I could to make sure that the reader didn't feel too weighed down at any one point by it. But I also mm-hmm. never wanted to cheat the material by making it to, um, uh, I, I wanted to make sure that the material was treated with the seriousness that it deserved while also making sure that the reader felt invited into the conversation rather than talked at. That makes a lot of sense the way you say it like that. And in my head, as, as you're explaining it, I'm like, Oh, it's kind of like parenting. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, I hope I'm not old enough. To, I guess I am old enough to be a parent at this point. Oh God. <laughs> well, well, it's like explaining something to someone that doesn't know what you're talking about. If you start coming at it, you know, like this is wrong and this is what you need to do. Like, for example, if I come at my, at my daughter telling her something that she doesn't know and why she needs to not do it if I speak in that tone, she's just going to tune me out. She's going to be like, whatever, mom, like, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to wait for someone else to tell me because nobody listens to their moms until they're my age. But it makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, explaining why something, I said this on social media the other day, um, but explaining why something is important is a lot better uh, and more effective mm-hmm. than telling someone they should be mad about something. Right. Uh, you know, if outrage only takes you so far, uh, but if somebody doesn't realize what the salient points around an issue are, mm-hmm. um, they can't, one, kind of decide whether outrage is the right response for them uh, because, you know, people show their respect for an issue and show um, and, and make an issue important in different ways. Some people right. sure get outraged. I, I, I've experienced with that emotion, <laughs> <laughs> um, but some people get quiet. They organize, they, you know, they, they, they go within, they internalize, they uh, need to process um, And we need all of those people. We need Mm -hmm. all of those people if the community is going to continue to move forward. So me just coming in and saying, Crystal's bad. That's not, that's not helpful. That's not helpful. What are we going to do? Just stop getting crystals? Probably not. So maybe what's some alternatives? Maybe we just arm people with information so that Mm -hmm. they can make a conscious choice and alternative ways of getting crystals so that they know that those are available if they want them. Um, and then let people be adults and make their own decisions. I'm not here to be anyone's practice police. I am not here to tell you that you're doing it wrong. What I am here to tell you is that there's probably some information you haven't considered yet. Right. And and you said the word, you said my favorite word. Why? <laughs> I I love asking that question of myself, but also of other people. And, you know, at least in my experience, that's not something that I was encouraged to do when first learning about anything is ask, you know, why does red mean love or why is, why is calendula good for healing or whatever? You're just told like, this is this, and this is this, and there's no reason. I lost my train of thought. Well, but you bring up a good point. And I kind of talk about this in multiple sections in the book Mm -hmm. about asking why. And correspondences are a really great place to start. I'm glad you were going there because they're a really easy sort of introduction to starting to unwind a longtime practitioner's understanding of things Mm -hmm. and maybe get those people to also start thinking more deeply and critically about some things. So like, you know, rosemary is good for passion and rose quartz is good for inspiring love and green is associated with wealth and lapidolite is associated with calming and etc etc but we don't really ask a lot of why questions Mm -hmm. and then if we do we don't really challenge the answers that we're given we don't interrogate that enough Um, so, you know, going backwards there, if you, if you know anything about lapidolite, uh, it isn't just that it's a calming stone. It's that it's the main mineral source for lithium in the world and lithium is used in antidepressants. Mm -hmm. So, but that information isn't really covered in the witchy books. Why? Because the people writing these are not geologists. They're not biochemists. They're not medical uh, practitioners, they're not pharmacists or anything like that. They're 
witchy people who've read a lot of witchy books and that's great. And I'm not discounting that. The problem is sometimes in these witchy books, they tell you to stick things in water and drink them or bathe with them or put stuff in a bath and soak in it. And the problem is if you don't have that intersectional scientific understanding, you can do real harm. Mm -hmm. You can drink lithium juice. Uh, You might, I think one that I see quite often is like mugwort. I see mugwort being put in like bath tea and bath salt. And I'm like, you know, for the wrong person, that's dangerous. Mm -hmm. That's really dangerous. So, and I don't see a lot of warnings about that. Why is it dangerous? Because it, it uh, can cause miscarriage in people that can become pregnant. Um, It can initiate uh, a a period in somebody uh, off cycle. It it can Mm -hmm. cause bleeding just generally speaking. Um, And that's not usually great for (laughs) people. And then, you know, the flip side of that is uh, if if you ever ask someone about that, they'll say, oh, well, there's not enough. Sometimes you get the responses. Well, there's not enough in there to cause a reaction. There, there's not enough in there to do that. I'm like one, when did you become a doctor? Right. <laughs> because, yeah. because determining dosage is something that doctors do, mm-hmm. not witchy people making tea. Um, so, you know, when did you become a doctor, but also like, if there's not enough in it to harm, is there really enough in it to heal? And then if not, why is it in there? I just, I'd like to know, like, why is it in there? And why are you making the claim that it can do X, Y, or Z? That's where a lot of these correspondences tend to tend to butt up against, you know, if you're just saying, let's use the example of the rose quartz. Why does rose quartz, uh, why is, why does rose quartz correspond with love? Is it because the iron and other mineral deposits that are inside of that quartz turn it into a pretty pink color? And we tend to associate pink with love and friendship and, and happy things. Maybe, and maybe the quartz is imbued with magical loving energy from the earth, or maybe those are the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, whichever way it works, it's okay. And if you want to hold a piece of quartz to inspire love, if you want to keep it in a space uh, where you want to radiate loving energy, if you want to carry it on your person or stick it in your bra or whatever. I mean, that that the level for harm and the claim being made there are pretty low stakes, right? right? We're not yeah. really dealing with, with someone who's going to do something. I mean, maybe don't swallow it. Maybe don't stick it in a water bottle loose and, and drink that because you might accidentally choke on a rock. Yeah. But other than that, <laughs> it's pretty non-toxic. It's not going to do anything to you. If you hold it, it's fine. Um, but the problem with that is that you do tend there you in in a in a uh, world filled with these mostly harmless recommendations, you do have some recommendations that slip through that are medicalized. Uh, you know, we have stones that um, are written up in witchy books, widely read, widely recommended witchy books that tell you that things will alleviate the symptoms of Alzheimer's or uh, 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 provide relief for certain GI issues or help with mental disorder Mm -hmm. or, you know, psychosis or all sorts of things. And that's medicalizing a spiritual remedy. Yeah. I see that a lot in, in my own sphere because, Mm -hmm. uh, mental health is one thing I focus on a lot because I have a lot of experience with it. And it always baffles me when someone makes some sort of claim, like keeping an amethyst with you is going to make your depression go away. And I'm like, that's, that's not how it works. 
like it can help, but that piece of earth is not going to make your depression go away and making claims like that is dangerous. And for me, combating that information mostly happens in the online space. And those voices I find like myself get kind of drowned out by other people. And I appreciate that other people are talking about it and especially uh, showing that magic and science don't have to be separate. They can be together and that we definitely should not be medicalizing any sort of spiritual practice. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I really enjoyed while reading your book is you're, you're not telling people how to do things or that they need to do it a specific way. You're equipping them with the tools and the information that they may find useful to make those decisions for themselves and to analyze the information that they've been given. And I, I, it's in your whole book and I love it. And I love that in your section of different spells and stuff, it's not here, do this thing. And this is your result. It's here is a template for this kind of thing. And here's how it can be changed and adapted. Can you talk a little bit more about that sort of decision to create? Um, what did you, did you call them like canvases? Yeah, I called yeah. them spell canvases. There in the you go. The book. So what I did was I basically created, uh, I think, 11 rituals. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll call them rituals. Basically templates, uh, things that you could do magic with. Um, and I said, okay. So because I, I used the book to sort of break down a lot of why behind the what. Why are colors associated? Okay, now that we've broken that down, you get to build back your understanding of what colors are associated Mm-hmm. to different things for you. Right. Um, you know, the same thing with plant magic, the same thing with crystals, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I say, okay, so it would be disingenuous of me to do all of that <laughs> for many hundreds of pages. And then at the very end, write a spell section that was like, okay, here is the love spell. You're going to get a red candle. You're going to light the red candle. You're going to do a sexy dance. And then Daniel Craig <laughs> is going to show up in that speedo and he's going to give you sexy time. That's how love magic works. I, I I couldn't immediately turn around and then do the thing that I told you to stop doing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. End. So instead, and what I love about this is stuff that I do. Like I saw a video the other day that I was like, writing that down for book two. Gonna, <laughs> gonna write that down for book two. Um, what I like is that I see interesting things. I kind of like magic that looks like magic. Like, and I say that, like, I love a practical effects. Mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really see much difference in the practice of I'm going to light a candle and do this thing and to rid myself. I'm, I'm going to name this candle. I don't know. Sadness because Timothy left me. And as the candle burns, I release my sadness over Timothy leaving me. And writing down that same thing on a tea bag and lighting it on fire and watching it fly away because mm-hmm. that's fucking cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but I, I, um, I did, and you did a demonstration of that, didn't you? I did. I've done that a few times. It's, it's one of my favorite <laughs> things. I, I do it with kids. It's I'll a lot of fun. I'll try to find a link for 
if you have a link for, for the I could just video do it. I can do a new video. We could do it right now. It's fun. <laughs> I, I think I'm out of tea bags because I've done it so much. Uh, literally every editor that was associated with this book, uh, every editor, every copy editor, every everyone, they they wanted to see the tea bag and they wanted to see the water bottle. <laughs> My, my editor, my like actual like editor for the book was like, uh, oh, I, I needed to do the tea bag. Uh, I did the tea bag for her when I was pitching the book and mm-hmm. I did the, uh, uh, and she did the water bottle on her own. And she like sent me a video of it and she's like, holy shit, this works. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like things that sort of get you in that headspace because for me, effective magic is when you get in that mental headspace where need and desire and uh, uh, want are all sort of wrapped up in this headspace, this weird headspace where you can do like, I don't know, I don't know how to say it. I'm sure there's a better word for it. And I'm, I'm a writer, so I should be better at words. Uh, words are hard. It's just something that when you have that confluence of want and need and desire and urgency, mm-hmm that you get into this really weirdly clear headspace, like this tunnel vision where you're like, I'm going to do this magic and it is going to work. And I yeah. like, you just kind of know it. Like, mm-hmm. um, so, but I, but in order to, to do it, to do the thing, you need an action to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly you can light a candle, you can go outside and you can scream at the sky for a while, uh, for a while. Uh, you can go, um, you know, light a bonfire and dance around it. You can do a lot of things. And I'm like, but you can also do uh, some, some kitty science, magic, tricky looking (laughs) stuff. Uh, and that's my favorite kind of thing because it looks like magic and it keeps me at least in that headspace of I'm doing magic now Mm -hmm. and I can keep the focus on it. And I can give myself just for a little moment, that belief that magic is, is real and it's out there and we can use it to help ourselves. So I do things um, in the book where I say, okay, um, you could, using the teabag example, you could take a teabag, you could write something on it, you can light it on fire and it will literally lift itself off the ground and fly into the air and then disappear. And you can do that for a lot of things. Uh, as I was like, you know, you could do that for a spell of release. If there's something that you want to get rid of, I love to do this on new year's Eve. It's a fun thing to do right at midnight. It's a great fun time. It's really easy to do. It's very cheap, very accessible. Um, that was something else that I wanted to make sure that everything in the book was, was accessible. You either already have these things in your home or they are very cheap to get. Um, or you could do them without them. It's fine. Uh, it, but I, I think the most expensive thing that's in the book is $7. Uh, <laughs> and so I was like, you know, do not go spend money to do magic. You've got stuff in your house. Right. Um, but I was also like, you know, in addition to a spell of release, this spell could be, you know, uh, a lot of people will write letters to the beloved dead and they will light them on fire. And that sort of action of the fire consuming it is thought to sort of carry that message out of this realm and, and into the realm of spirit. I'm like, well, you could do that with, you know, the tea bag, you could do it with flash paper, you could do it with a bunch of different things um, and so on and so forth. So I wanted to give you a template and then have you decide what, what you wanted to use it for um, instead of just providing you like 50 spells. 
Like, right. here's a sleep spell. Here's a love spell. Here's a this. I'm like, well, why does that work for me? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, yeah. that works for me, but you don't know it's going to work for you. I mean, it might work for you, but you might have to tweak it. That, I mean, the, the best recipes, the best spells, you always end up having to tweak them anyways, right? Oh, yeah. Like, and they're never yeah. the same every time. They're never the same. So just go ahead and get used to the fact that you're going to be taking spells out of the book and tweaking them anyways, and start with these because you're going to tweak it to fit you right from the jump. Yeah. And I love this. I, I really like all of that because you give the one spell and then you give a bunch of different, you know, ideas. Yeah. There's usually like three or four ideas for what you could do with it. Yeah. And even for me, I'm like, I didn't think about that. You could do that. That could work. And it's an invitation for the reader to think outside of the box. When it play. comes to magic. Yeah. To and make to be magic playful. fun. It should be playful. It should be fun. You should be in that constant spirit of, of wonderment. It should be fun for you. It should be, it should be a gaze across that misty horizon and knowing that magic is real. Um, yeah, and it's if, okay if sometimes magic looks like it. It's fun. Yeah. It can be and, fun. And if you're avoiding doing it because you're just like, oh, it's boring or, Oh, I really don't want to, then, then you got to change it. You got to yeah. switch it up because it shouldn't be a downer. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be something that you want to avoid doing. Uh, so if you had to pick one important thing, <laughs> the most important thing that you wanted to include in the book, what was it and why? It's probably a chapter that a lot of people are going to not talk about, but it's, it, there's a, a section on discernment on, uh, that I, that I think is sort of the crux of the book. Um, you know, when like lessons, like looking out for keywords, developing a filter, Mm -hmm. uh, which is sort of the keystone of the entire book is, if somebody is making a claim, if somebody says something, what are the keywords there? You know, uh, like the example that I use in the book is like, okay, so you see that um, you're in the laundry section of the grocery store and you need to pick up some detergent and you see Sudsies on its cover calls itself an award-winning laundry detergent. And you're like, Mm -hmm. great. Well, none of these other laundry detergents have won an award. I'm going to put that laundry detergent in my basket and I'm going to take it away with me Um, because you assume Right. Mm-hmm. We all assume, we assume yeah. that the award that Sudsies won was for being good laundry detergent, being right. good at deterring the dirt on our clothes. Right. <laughs> um, but if you took a second to like go research that, you might find out that Sudsies won an award for laundry detergent that's secretly battery acid, like it's <laughs> <laughs> or something. It's still an award. Uh, you know, a Razzie award is still an acting award. It means you're a really bad actor. <laughs> it's still an award. Um, so, you know, it's a funny example, but there's a lot of that throughout our community. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of beliefs that are wrapped up in claims that butt up against science, that butt up against psychology, that butt up against being medicalized. And so I want people to think deeply and critically about those, but also about just sort of the nature of belief itself. What do you believe? Why do you believe it? Have you interrogated your own belief? Um, And have you done that deeply and critically? Have you asked yourself why? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I, I, I don't know of any 
anything that I have faith in that can't stand up to a little criticism. And if it, and if there is something that cannot stand up to criticism, it's probably not worth my time. If there is a deity out there that can't be interrogated or that, you know, (laughs) like every now and then I see, I see people out there that are like, oh my God, you can't, you can't say that to the gods. How, oh my God, you're going to tell whoever, you know, you're going to tell Zeus that, that, uh, uh, you're going to question that. Yeah, I am. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. Did we not learn anything from the Bible? The Bible, that guy was told to kill his kid. No, ma'am. No, no, ma'am. No, sir. No, you tell me to go kill my kid. I assume that I'm probably having a psychotic break. Maybe I've been around too much fertilizer. Maybe I've been around the wrong kind of pesticide. I need to go talk to someone about that. Don't just go kill your kid because God told you to. No, ma'am. No, sir. Mm -hmm. No. Uh. No, I think discernment is extremely important. And it reminded me again, I'm going to go back to parenting because I'm a mom. But it reminded me of a rule that I have with my daughter, that if I tell her not to do something, or if I tell her to do something, or just anything in general, and she asks me why, I give her an answer. If I don't have a good enough reason, or I can't explain it well enough, then she gets out of it. Because what's the point? If I tell her, you know, don't run on the sidewalk, and she says, but why, mom? And I, there's no reason. Okay, well, fine, go run on the sidewalk you know, whatever. And I, I think teaching discernment and giving people space to be critical of themselves is really important. And it's not something that we're usually invited to do. So again, I I agree with you that it's very important. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I think that we, um, we do a lot of preaching in our online spaces, Mm -hmm. but there's no one right way to do this. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you hear but, that a lot. But mm. but those same people also kind of have their their one right way to do something. Yeah, is is <laughs> kind of there because if you question what they're doing at all, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. No, no. Why would you question this? Okay. Well, if there's only if there's no right right way, then why is this the right way? Oh, you're asking questions, and we don't do that here. No, yeah. sorry, those are bad. So. <laughs> It's like, you can't really have it both ways. If there's no one right way to do something, that means there's probably an alternatives, but, but why is this the way you do this? I just genuinely want to know, because I would like to kind of learn the why behind the what, where did this come from? Who, why Mm -hmm. did, why did this start being the way that it was? Is 50 years of doing something maybe long enough? Right. (laughs) Or, or is it done that way? Cause it works and it's great and it's fine and it's wonderful. And we're going to just continue to do it. You know, even in natural science, there are plenty of things, you know, Kathleen Borealis on her, on her podcast talks all the time about like, there's just like, you leave the toys on the machine. The machine likes the toys, (laughs) move the toys, the machine stops working. Just put the Mm -hmm. toys back, stop asking questions. We are all sciencey people here. We all have doctorates, but you leave the action figures on the machine or the machine quits reading the earthquakes. Okay. So, you know, sometimes asking why it gets you an answer. It's Mm -hmm. not a great answer, but it's an answer. (laughs) And you're going to keep leaving the toys there. (laughs) Wonderful. So we're nearing on an hour. And I just wanted to ask you if you had any 
final thoughts, any, anything that you feel like maybe we didn't talk about that you want to talk about or what you would like to leave everybody with, if you have any closing thoughts, if there was one thing that you could make sure that everybody heard from you, what would it be? Um, I think that people, um, just need to come away from this book and any spiritual conversation with the notice, uh, notion that they need to get a lot less precious with what they consider sacred. Um, it, it's okay to interrogate yourself. It's okay to interrogate your needs, your values, why you believe them. Um, because if you don't, you simply get entrenched sometimes in some bad ideas and some bad ways of thinking that might cause harm to yourself, harm to others, harm to oppressed groups. Even if you didn't intend so, even if you were raised a certain way and you just simply don't know any better, uh, or even if you were acting in good faith for decades because a book told you that it was okay to burn this or Mm -hmm. to practice this or to use this, um, it's okay to interrogate those things. It's okay to get less precious with it. It's not going to break. You're not going to break divinity. You're not going to break the gods. You're not going to break magic itself by interrogating it a little bit and deciding, you know, maybe to live a little bit with more intention in your spirituality. Um, I think if maybe we get a little bit more intentional and intentional, not in that whole, like intention is everything, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. magical discourse there, but just in the sense of deciding what is in your spiritual, uh, what is in your spiritual practice and putting it there with purpose. Uh, I think that, I think that if, if we did that a little bit more, um, maybe we'd have a little less discourse and a little bit more magic in our lives. That's perfect. So can you tell everybody where they can find you online? Where are the places that you haunt or prefer to be? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, On social media, I am at Inciting a Riot pretty much everywhere. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok for some reason that I still can't figure out. I don't know why I'm on there. So, but I'm there. Um, And my podcast is also called Inciting a Riot. You can find it uh, everywhere. Podcasts are downloaded or streamed and the home for it is at incitingariot.com. The book, The Dabbler's Guide to Witchcraft is available now. Uh, Well, not available now. It is available for pre-order now. Uh, Both the ebook, the paperback and the uh, audiobook will all be released on September 28th. Uh, the link for that is very easy. You can either go to wherever you get books and type in the Dabbler's Guide to Witchcraft, or if you don't want to remember all that, we've made it very convenient for you. And you can type in bit.ly forward slash Dabbler's Guide, and it will take you to a hub page where you can go to your bookstore of choice and get a copy. I'm so excited. And all of those links will be in the description for anyone watching on YouTube and in the show notes for anyone listening to the podcast. Thank you so much, Firelight, for coming on and talking to me and talking to everybody else about your book. I'm so excited. And I do hope that anybody that is interested will pick it up and definitely check out your podcast too. Um, And then, yeah, I guess we will talk to everybody next time. Bye for now. Thanks, guys.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode and this particular interview. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope that if you're interested, you check the link in the show notes and get you a copy of Firelight's book, A Dabbler's Guide to Witchcraft. If you're interested in my thoughts on the book, I actually wrote a review because I had the pleasure of receiving an advanced reader copy. I will leave that link in the show notes as well, and I will talk to you all very soon.